Brilliant, it's so good to uh, be with you today. My name's Paul, I'm one of the pastors here um, at King's and uh, I'm just going to spend probably about 15, 15 minutes and we're going to look at um, the Bible together. Um, we're in the middle of a series at the moment where we're going through the Gospel of Mark. Um, that's an account of Jesus' life and um, we're working our way through it. And as we're working our way through it, we're looking to see who Jesus is. Who is he? What is he like? And what did he come to do? And so this morning we're carrying on with that and we're looking at Jesus is the powerful one. I don't know quite how you think about Jesus yourself. Maybe you think of Jesus as meek and mild. Maybe you think of Jesus as one who was born in a manger or maybe one who died on the cross. Um, those things are all true. But today we're going to look at an account from Mark where we're going to see Jesus as the powerful one. And Truth be told, you may even find some of the things that I share today a little bit challenging or outside of your frame of reference. We're, we're going to cover some things that you may not have thought of before. But as I do that, I just encourage you just to ponder them, think about them, consider them, um, because they may be true. They may be true. So the passage we're going to be looking at is Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and we're going to go right the way through to chapter 6, verse 6. Now, we're not going to read it all, we're just going to reference it at various points on the way through, but hopefully as we do that, um, you'll be able to keep up and you'll, you'll um, have a look, you'll, you'll understand what's going on. So as we look at Jesus the powerful one, we're going to see it in four different ways. The first way we're going to see Jesus as powerful is in his power over nature. Secondly, we're going to see Jesus' power over the demonic. Thirdly, we're going to see Jesus' power over death and sickness. And then lastly, we're going to see Jesus um, powerful yet rejected. So, first one, Jesus is powerful over nature. Jesus' power over creation. That is Mark chapter 4, verse 35. So the context is this, Jesus has been teaching and great crowds have gathered around him to hear him, to understand him. I mean, he's a pretty amazing person and he's doing some fairly amazing things. Anyway, he decides that he wants to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He's been preaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He wants to go to the other side. So he tells his closest followers, we're going to get in a boat. We're going to go to the other side. Now, the Sea of Galilee is about 12 miles long, 7 miles across. They leave late evening. They get about halfway across, and this is what happens. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, that's Jesus, he was in the front of the boat, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. So they're going across the sea, suddenly this massive storm erupts. It's, it's that big that seasoned fishermen who, who, who knew these seas were terrified. They thought they were going to die. Jesus asleep in the stern. He's woken up. And in a moment, he stills the sea. He stills the wind. And there is calm. Now, I don't know if you, if you noticed this in the story, but I did. I was thinking about this. You've got Jesus asleep in the stern because he's worn out and exhausted. We see Jesus as man. But then we see Jesus standing up rebuking the wind and the waves, and they obey him. They obey his authority. We see Jesus as God. He is fully man. He is fully God. 
the one who is asleep in weariness, is also the one who rules the universe. Jesus has power over nature. But there's something else that we notice in this account. We find actually a reoccurring theme as we work our way through. We see the interaction between faith and fear. We see an interaction between faith and fear. He says to his disciples, just before he comes, the storm, he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you not have any faith? Now, I don't know about you, but I would be afraid. Do you mean that is that natural uh, reaction and you're in this storm? But it's interesting that the disciples' fear doesn't disappear when the storm disappears. It actually says that when the storm disappears, they say this. It says they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Secondly, we see Jesus' power over the demonic. Now, now you may be here today thinking, that's, that's like fairy tales. That's like, that's like Father Christmas, isn't it? Evil spirits don't really exist. The truth is, not everything can be explained in the physical. And not every bad thing that happens is caused by the demonic, but sometimes it is. They arrive on the other side of the sea, and as they step out of the boat, immediately he meets a man, and the Bible calls it an unclean spirit. He's, he's demon-oppressed. And he's been waiting. And this is how he's described. I mean, this is, this is in, uh, incredibly sad. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. I mean, it's, it's a heartbreaking situation this, this person found himself in. But he runs up to Jesus. He falls at his feet. And the end result is that this man gets set free. Chains couldn't hold him, but Jesus could set him free. And then when the people from the area come, because they find out this, this thing has happened, it says this in Mark 5, verse 15. And they came to Jesus. They saw the demon-possessed man in his... demon-possessed man who had had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind... And they were afraid. What were they afraid of? I mean, I guess, historically, they would have been afraid of that man. I mean, I would have been. I mean, he, lives, he lived among the dead, and he had superhuman strength. I mean, that's basically what that passage said. But then they realized there's one greater than that has turned up. It's Jesus. Jesus is the powerful one. And they were afraid, and they asked him to leave the area, and Jesus does. He gets into a boat, he leaves the area, and there is no, there is no reference in the Bible, to again, to him ever returning to that area again. Then we see Jesus' power over death and sickness in Mark 5, 21-43. Jesus gets back into the boat and goes back to the other side of the lake where he was before, and a great crowd gathers around him. And in the next few verses we see, and I know some of these things that I'm talking about are really hard to get our heads around. They might be completely out of our frame of reference, but just do your best to sort of listen, to try and grasp what's going on here. We then see an account 
where we see healing of a woman who's had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and she could not get well. Again, she, it says this, she had suffered much, it cost her everything, she didn't get bat- better, but only grew worse. And then we see an account of a 12-year-old girl who got very sick and eventually dies while waiting for Jesus to turn up. So firstly, the woman who gets healed. She'd heard the reports, this is what it says in Mark 5, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus is completely unaware of this woman. There is this crowd. Can you imagine? There's one person in the middle of all of us, and we all crowd in to get round him, but one person reaches out their hand and thinks, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be healed. And she gets healed. Then in Mark chapter 5, verse 33, it says this, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. She realized Jesus is the powerful one. Jesus had just healed her of something that for 12 years she could not get free from. And then there's a 12-year-old girl. Before Jesus gets to her, someone comes and says that she's already died. So there's no need for Jesus to turn up because she is already dead. Mark 5.36 says this, Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus goes. He gets everyone to leave the house, other than her parents and a few of his closest followers. And then this is what it says in Mark 5, verse 41. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talieth kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately... The girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were, they were immediately overcome with amazement. Jesus has the power over death and sickness. And then lastly, in Mark chapter 6, it says this. So from there, he then goes to his hometown. And he starts teaching there, and they are absolutely amazed. But then it says that they become sceptical. They, they know Jesus. They know his family. They know Mary, his mother. And it says they took offense at him. It finishes with two disturbing comments. Or, or they should disturb us. They should, they should draw us out of complacency. Firstly, it says this in verse 5. <clears throat> and he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. I mean, in in this account that I'm telling you, there seems to be a bit of a contradiction. The powerful one, Jesus, the karma of waves, powerful over Satan, powerful over um, sickness and death, yet is limited in his hometown. How can this be? Well, Mark gives the answer. It says, he marveled at their unbelief. Jesus marveled at their unbelief. And, and the lack of faith within his hometown limited what the powerful one could do. 
it is possible to reject Jesus. It is, pa- it is possible to limit what he can do. And even after incredible miracles, I mean, they weren't there in the boat, but they'd have heard about it, the storm being calmed, the demon-oppressed man being totally set free, the dead little girl being raised to life, the sick woman being healed, that was done in public, they still rejected Jesus. They still didn't believe in him. And so as we've looked at these four accounts, we've seen Jesus, the powerful one. We've seen the one who is deserving of our trust, our belief, our faith. I don't know what word you'd put to it, but but who do you trust in? Who, Who do you rely upon? When you face insurmountable problems, how do you fix them? Do you, do you, as it were, turn to Jesus, or do you try and sort it out yourself? It's interesting as well, within these accounts, we've seen lots of fear, lots and lots of fear. But that doesn't faze Jesus. He, he challenges us out of it, but it, it doesn't put him off. You may be here today fearful. That doesn't phase Jesus. That, that, that doesn't stop him. It doesn't put him off. You may find what I'm about to say a bit offensive, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but this is true. By nature, as small human beings, there will be things that daunt and overwhelm us. That, that is just fact. Just saying to an anxious person... Stop being anxious really doesn't help, does it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Stop telling me not to be afraid. That doesn't help me. But Mark, the writer of this gospel, wants to fill up our fear capacity with a big view of Jesus. He wants us to see Jesus, and as we see Jesus and how big he is and how powerful he is, the room we have for fear is diminished. It gives us space to start trusting in him. So how should we respond this morning? Well, the first thing is just to think, do you know what? Jesus is powerful. He is. Secondly, I want to remind you, he can be trusted. We can reach out to him. Even now, you can look to him for help. You may even be sat here now being much more aware of your faith than your fear, but that doesn't faze Jesus. He's bigger than your fear, and he can help you out of it. And part of that answer is getting a bigger view of Jesus. But there's also a warning in this passage. Don't reject Jesus because he takes your decision seriously. He does. That that, that neighborhood that rejected him, he never went back. Jesus doesn't always answer our prayers in the way we want him to. It would be so much easier if he was a little bit like a genie in a bottle that you 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 can sort of make three wishes and... And he answers them. He doesn't always answer as we want. 
that woman, that lady who had been suffering for 12 years, that oppressed man who'd suffered so much. But Jesus is powerful. He is good. And he cares. And you can talk to Jesus right now. Jesus is present here by his spirit. Even in fear, even in skepticism, you can ask for help.